Sunday blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that begins a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the Paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the second Sunday in Ordinary Time. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is St. Augustine of Hippo, one of the great Western Fathers of the Church. Known as the Doctor of Grace, it is difficult to overestimate St. Augustine's contribution to Christian theology. Not only did he contribute most substantially to articulate a sacramental theology and a theology of grace, he was also a gifted pastor and preacher. St. Augustine's work, The Confessions, essentially his spiritual autobiography, continues to offer insights for all in terms of responding to the Lord's grace and growing in holiness. St. Augustine also left us a great body of written homilies and commentaries on sacred scripture. This week we listen to an excerpt from his Tractates on the Gospel of John, wherein he ponders Jesus' call of the first disciples, the episode proclaimed at Mass this Sunday. The podcast description also contains a link to a blog article for this Sunday that reflects on the meaning of the Greek verb meno, which is translated in this Sunday's proclamation as to stay. And now, an excerpt from St. Augustine's Tractate on the Gospel of John. John was standing there and two of his disciples. Behold, two of John's disciples. Because John, the friend of the bridegroom, was a mar of such character, he was seeking not his own glory, but he was giving testimony to the truth. Did he wish his disciples to remain with him so that they would not follow the Lord? Rather, he showed his disciples whom they were to follow. For they considered him as the Lamb, and he says, Why are you looking at me? I am not the Lamb. Behold, the Lamb of God. 
And how does the Lamb profit us? Behold, he says, he who takes away the sin of the world. And when they heard this, the two who were with John followed Jesus. Let us see the following verses. Behold, the Lamb of God, John says. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. But Jesus turned around, and seeing them following him, he says to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which interpreted means master, where do you dwell? They were not following him in such a way as they would adhere to him now. For it is clear, when they adhered to him, for he called them from a boat. From among these two, there was Andrew, as you just now heard. But Andrew was the brother of Peter. And we know in the gospel that the Lord called Andrew and Peter from a boat, saying, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. And from that day they adhered to him, so that they did not depart. Therefore, as to the fact that these two follow him now, they do not follow as if they will not depart. But, they wanted to see where he lived, and to do what was written, Let your foot wear away his doorstep. Rise to come to him continually, and to learn his precepts. Jesus showed them where he was staying. They came and were with him. What a happy day they spent! What a happy night! Who is there who can say to us what they learned from the Lord? Let us also ourselves build in our heart and make a house where he may come and teach us. Let him converse with us. What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which interpreted means master. Where do you dwell? He says to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. Do we think that it was not at all important for the evangelists to tell us what hour it was? Is it possible? that he wanted us to notice nothing there, to seek nothing? It was the tenth hour. This number signifies the law. For the law was given in ten commandments. But the time had come that the law be fulfilled through love, because it could not be fulfilled through fear. Wherefore the Lord says, I have not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill. Rightly, therefore, did these two follow him 
at the tenth hour as witness for the friend of the bridegroom. And rightly at the tenth hour he heard, Rabbi, which is interpreted Master. If the Lord heard Rabbi at the tenth hour, and the number ten pertains to the law, the master of the law is no other than the giver of the law. Let no one say that one gave the law and another teaches the law. He himself teaches it who gave it. He is the master of his law and teaches it. And there is mercy on his tongue. And so he teaches the law mercifully as was said about wisdom. But she carries on her tongue the law and mercy. Do not fear that you cannot fulfill the law. Flee to mercy. If it is important to you to fulfill the law, use that covenant, use the blood, use the petitions, which the heavenly jurist established and composed for you. For they who have a case and wish to plead before the emperor, seek out some learned jurist by whom their petitions may be composed for them, lest perhaps if they plead otherwise than they ought, they not only may not get what they ask, but may also receive a punishment instead of a benefit. And so when the apostles were seeking to pray and found no way in which to approach God the emperor, they said to Christ, Lord, teach us to pray. That is you, our jurist, God's counselor, rather, his fellow judge, compose petitions for us. And the Lord taught them from the book of the heavenly law. He taught them how to pray. And in that which he taught them, he put a certain provision. Forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. If you do not ask according to the law, you will be culpable. Having become culpable, do you tremble before the emperor? Offer the sacrifice of humility. Offer the sacrifice of mercy. Say in your petitions, forgive me, because I too forgive. But if you say it, do it. For what will you do? Where will you go if you lie in your petitions? You will not, as it is said in the forum, lose the benefit of the rescript. But you will not even obtain a rescript. For it is a principle of forensic law that what one has obtained may not benefit him who has lied in his petitions. But this is the situation among men. For a man can be deceived. The emperor could have been deceived when you have sent him petitions. 
For you have said what you wanted, and he to whom you have said it doesn't know whether it is true. He has sent you down to be refuted by your adversary, so that, if you were convinced of a lie before the judge, because he was not going to grant it, not knowing whether you lied, you will lose the very benefit of the rescript, where you took the rescript. But God, who knows whether you lie or tell the truth, does not effect a loss of benefit for you in the judgment. But he does not even allow you to obtain it because you dare to lie to truth. What then are you going to do? Tell me, to fulfill the law in every particular so that you offend in none is difficult. Guilt, therefore, is certain. Don't you want to use the remedy? Look, my brothers, at the kind of remedy which the Lord has set up against the illnesses of the soul. What then? When you have a headache, we commend you if you put the gospel by your head and do not hurry to an amulet. For human frailty has come to this, and men who hurry to amulets must be so lamented that we rejoice when we see that a man, confined to his bed, is tossed by fever and pain, and yet has placed no hope anywhere else except that he put the gospel by his head. Not because the gospel was made for this, but because he has been preferred to the amulets. Therefore, if it is put by the head so that a headache may be eased, is it not put by the heart that the heart may be healed of its sins? Let it be done then. Let what be done? Let it be put by the heart. Let the heart be healed. It is a good thing, a good thing, that you do not fuss about the body's health, except that you ask for health from God. If he knows that it is for your advantage, he will give it. If he has not given it, it would not be advantageous for you to have had it. How many lie sick in bed and are innocent, and yet, should they be healthy, they go out to commit crimes? For how many is health a disadvantage? The robber who goes to a narrow pass to kill a man, how much better would it be for him to be sick? He who rises up at night to dig through another man's wall, how much better would it be for him if he were tossed by a fever? He would be ill with greater innocence. He is healthy and wicked. God, then, knows what is profitable for us. Let us aim only at this, that our heart may be healthy and unaffected by sin. And when, perchance, we are scourged in our body, let us pray to him for relief, 
The Apostle Paul asked him to take away the sting in the flesh, and he did not want to take it away. Was Paul disturbed? Did he gloomily say that he had been abandoned? Rather, he said that he had not been abandoned, because that which he wanted to be taken away was not taken away in order that weakness might be healed. For he found this in the words of the physician, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. St. Augustine of Hippo, pray for us. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, who govern all things, both in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the pleading of your people and bestow your peace on our times. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord.